passage today is from John 15, the 18th through 27th verse. Hear now the word of the Lord. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. Because you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, servants are not greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they do not know who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. It was to fulfill the word that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. When the Advocate comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You are also to testify, because you have been with me from the beginning. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was a little girl, I suffered from allergies that caused respiratory problems. I used to sleep sitting straight up in bed, propped up on pillows. And it wasn't until my first slumber party that I realized that this wasn't normal, that all the other little girls were sleeping laying down. That was the first time I remember thinking that maybe they packed their stuffed animals to come with them instead of their tissue box. But I was very lucky. My parents were determined that I was not going to go through life carrying a tissue with me everywhere I went. That meant that I had to endure allergy testing and ultimately commit to having weekly shots. Just what every kid wants. I made my appreciation for this known loudly every time we went to the doctor's office. It was an ordeal for me for the office staff, and for my entire family. Finally, one day, my dad pulled me aside as we went in, and he said, Meg, we have to come in for you to have a shot every week. You know how it feels. It's going to pinch. We're doing this, though, because it's going to help you breathe better. And soon, you won't be sneezing all the time or feel dizzy. You'll get to sleep and feel much better. And even though this is hard, I'm going to be right by your side. I will hold your hand, and when you feel like you just can't stand it, remember I am right there with you. We'll get through this together, and then life will get better and better until one day you won't have to struggle to breathe at all. He gave me this comforting truth. Jesus gave the disciples an uncomfortable truth because clashes between the world and Jesus were beginning to intensify. 
It was becoming obvious that the disciples were hated too because of their relationship with Jesus. He wanted them to understand that this was because they did not live by the standards of the world. The world hated Jesus because it didn't understand Jesus' identity or purpose. And because neither Jesus nor the disciples were characterized or defined by what the rest of the world valued, people scorned them. Today's passage is a lot like eavesdropping on a conversation between friends, a little window into the personal relationship between Jesus and his disciples. The subject of their conversation is what's going to happen in the near future. Jesus knows his death is fast approaching. We are listening in as Jesus lovingly prepares his friends for a quickly unfolding future. He warns them that after he is no longer with them, a life of sharing the gospel will not be an easy one. Quite the opposite, in fact. The disciples will be persecuted for their message, just as he has been. After all, the rest of the world already hates Jesus, and they are his followers. However, Jesus reassures them that they will not be alone. They will have an advocate with them once Jesus has left them. That is their comforting truth. Jesus surprised them. He surprises us. The world's hatred is a good thing. If the world approved of the disciples' actions, then it would mean that the disciples were conforming to the world's values. Instead, they were being called to live a life according to God's mandates and to turn from things that might be important to the world. Things like resources, relationships, belongings that are very important to the rest of the culture. Living life this way was the difference between allowing the world to define them or having identities molded by God. Jesus is warning his disciples of what is to come, and this warning serves two distinct purposes, to prepare the disciples and to point toward future hope in the coming kingdom of God. Warning is followed by reassurance, just as my father reassured me that I would not face scary situations alone. Jesus told them that they would not face what was to come on their own. And by living in the image of Jesus, they are part of the transformation of the world into the kingdom God intends for us. Present-day Christians should be able to empathize with the disciples because all believers are called to live by God's standards instead of the world's standards. The world will often scorn those who believe and share the gospel. This hatred may be more subtle in some places and at some times, but the hatred is real. And it's something that all disciples must recognize and decide how to address. When we are mocked or disparaged because of our faith, we will be able to endure. We will endure not only through the gift of God's love for us, but also through our love for one another. For the disciples and for us, understanding the consequences 
of having different standards than those of the rest of the world is a big step in being able to deal with the world's condemnation. And just like the comfort and strength my parents provided for me, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, provides for all of us to open our hearts to the presence of God. What Jesus did not call them to do, however, was to separate from the world. We can't use this passage as an excuse to remove ourselves. If we do, we're choosing to misinterpret the meaning. We are reacting in direct opposition to Jesus' instructions. The catch is we're set apart because of our beliefs, but we're not supposed to remove ourselves from the world. Set apart, not removed. We are supposed to live faithfully within the world. This scripture emphasizes that to the community that Jesus is addressing. It is set apart from the rest of the world because they know Jesus. These relationships with God and with others sustain us in times of persecution and challenge because we know Jesus and what he has done for us. Jesus was preparing them for a task within the culture. Jesus reminds us that we are called to love God and to love one another above all else. Being able to love as Jesus loved is a sign of following faithfully. This is our means of determining how we will live our lives. We learn from this little peek into the window that being a Christian requires trust, faith, and obedience. God has provided all we need to be equipped as disciples. We just have to determine how we're going to respond. A big part of my allergy story is the part about my parents holding my hand. Can you imagine how scared I would have been had having to face that alone? Love wouldn't allow my parents to subject me to that. Instead, my dad stood by my side, holding my hand, providing reassurance and comfort as well as encouragement. Jesus tells the disciples two things. The advocate will be sent and every believer will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Empowered to allow them to share this truth, the good news of God's great love and Jesus' sacrifice. The advocate is sent to accompany the believer to shepherd, guide, and provide the witness of God when the believer is not adequate for the task. The advocate also provides a continuation of the ministry after Jesus is no longer physically among us. As believers, we are now the authorities because we represent the ministry of Christ. The church itself becomes an agent of the coming kingdom, a means for God to use to spread the gospel for the salvation of God's people. In our present time and circumstance, United States citizens are fortunate not to be persecuted for our Christian beliefs. We may experience some ridicule or derision, but not active persecution. In this culture of religious freedom, we always have a choice, reject or embrace God. While it may be easy to think to ourselves that we would never reject God, how many times 
has each of us done exactly that? How many times have we turned away from God in our quest to fit in with today's society? And we rationalize our actions in different ways. Perhaps we don't want to come on too strong and scare away potential Christians. Perhaps we are too embarrassed. Perhaps we are just tempted by the type of life society has to offer. I recently read an article by David Freeman in the magazine journal The Atlantic. And this article reports some of the many ways our society places excessive emphasis on intelligence. Apparently, even people with average intelligence are considered to be at a disadvantage in life. Friedman says that we see this attitude reflected in catchphrases, in our comedies on television, and in the increasing emphasis on using test scores for hiring practices. We've become a society that seems to assume that more intelligent people will make better employees, better spouses, and even better people. This is a clear example of the world's standards versus God's standards. And how often do each of us play into this assumption without even noticing it? Are intelligent people more worthy than less intelligent people? I want to share with you a story about an incredible friendship. Two men, Adam and Henry, were the very closest of friends. Adam most often set the tone for the friendship because he was usually the one who determined how they would spend their time together. In many ways, Adam was a teacher and a mentor to Henry. Henry said that Adam specifically taught him about peace and patience. Henry gave Adam credit for teaching him about how to fully rely on God. Henry told how, after he spent years of restlessly searching for peace, Adam helped him discover both peace and joy in his life. The story of this great friendship is all the more powerful when you know more about the two men. Henry was a man of great intelligence, and this intelligence led him to be able to lead life completely on his own terms. He had money, power, and fame. He was offered wonderful jobs, and he negotiated some great perks. He traveled extensively. On paper, Henry was the epitome of a successful man. Adam, on the other hand, was unable to speak, to move, or to care for himself. In the last 10 years of Henry's life, he was Adam's caregiver and companion at a group home. Henry, you see, was Henry Nowen, the author, theologian, and Ivy League professor whose lessons on being God's beloved are incredibly beautiful. Adam was Adam Arnett, the young man with severe disabilities who spent his lifetime in a group home. Henry's recounting of his friendship with Adam is so touching, so appealing, that it makes you long to have a friend like Adam. Adam, who is the living illustration that our humanity lies not in our minds or our abilities, but in our hearts. The world tells us that money, fame, and power are important. 
Jesus tells us that each person is important, regardless of their circumstances or abilities. What if Henry had only believed what the world told him? Does the world hate Christians? I think that the world scorns Christians at best and at worst targets them. I think that humans all too often let the message of the gospel be eclipsed by standards that revolve around power and prestige, image, and even intelligence. It may be more subtle than the hatred of Christians. It may be the disdaining of godly standards. Adopting worldly standards may even be more effective at separating us from God than the fear of being hated. We are to share the gospel and love one another. When we decide that accomplishments and material things are more important than responding to God, we have simply chosen to belong to the world instead of belonging to God. As believers and followers of Christ, we have been prepared for the ways in which society will scorn us. As believers, we have been equipped with the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit provides us with the power to withstand the hatred of the world. We have the example of Christ to guide us as we go about spreading the task of the good news. The good news of our salvation through Jesus in a world that is broken by sin. Jesus has prepared and equipped us to face the hatred. We have been prepared and equipped. The only thing left to decide is how we're going to respond.